Hello and welcome to the Ask Dr. Ben podcast. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. As a holistic-minded physician, I've spent the last 20 years looking outside the box and conducting research to find the true causes of skin conditions and other diseases. And while the focus of my work has been on aesthetic medicine and unlocking the secrets to reversing skin damage, this podcast will also include many other exciting revelations pertaining to you and your family's health and well-being. So let's get started. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Ask Dr. Ben. It's uh, good to be back. It's been a little bit of a hiatus. I'm always just looking for information that I think is meaningful to you and not just, you know, speak just to uh, hear my own voice. And so it occurred to me that something that I think is missing from the current set of podcasts is the ultimate guide to skin self-assessment. This could also be known as the ultimate guide to professional skin analysis. So I'm not only speaking to you out there who is not an esthetician, physician, or skin professional like a nurse, nurse practitioner, but also individuals who are trying to understand what are the influences on their skin, how do they assess their own skin. So this, this can be used going both directions. And I hope for the professionals out there listening to this, You find it helpful in formatting your intake form because there's going to be a growth in the telesthetics market, which we hope to be a big part of. And there is also, of course, online skin analysis as a whole. And then there's the in-person skin analysis. And for all those things, I'm looking to help you take in the information that's most important. I find a lot of the stuff out there a bit antiquated because there, we now know through all the work that we're doing here at Osmosis in particular, there are several important factors to determining one's skin health that may have previously been thought of as non-important. All right, well, let's jump right in. So the first thing that you're going to do when talking to a new client or when doing your own personal self-assessment is to take a history. And uh, in that history, uh, what we're talking about here is essentially a, a medical life history. So we'll go down the list of some of the most important aspects of that. And you can take note and then uh, write down for yourself, give yourself maybe a score, although I haven't created a scoring system. So forget the score part. But the first thing I ask about, well, one of the many first things I ask you about, doesn't have to be in this order for sure, is a work history. So what I'm looking for here is, are you somebody who works outside? Are you someone who works in an industrial plant where you might be exposed to more toxins? Are you someone who has a highly stressful job? Because right in the same category of work is stress. Stress is definitely going to accelerate aging. Stress could show up as upper eyelid irritation, which... We'll discuss a little further in our facial assessment, skin mapping category. And stress can also exacerbate skin conditions like eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, and in some cases, acne. I find stress is less of a trigger of acne than it's normally thought of. Other aspects of work history that might be important, I mean... Uh, work history where, uh, you know, right now in these days where you might have to wear a mask a lot, so you're getting some topical irritation from the constant abrasion effect of wearing a mask. And I think uh, we talked about sort of the industrial idea. You Maybe the work history is that you work in a nail salon, so you're exposed to airborne toxins that can cause, say, for example, cherry angiomas. So 
that would be important. Let's see if there's any other job I can think of where I think that pretty much covers it. You have the idea. You're looking for work practices that might increase either stress and those effects and or exposure to toxins and those effects or other stressors and or physical effects. Like let's say you're a mailman, so you're working outside all the time. All right. So then we have uh, the next category is surgeries. So uh, we're looking for all surgery history. So that could include anything from even gallbladder surgery, because that might determine whether or not you take in a, a proper level of fats. You might have altered your diet result. Maybe it's stomach bypass surgery for weight loss, and that would, of course, affect the microbiome and in doing so affect your skin. Everything's interconnected. As we get to skin mapping, we'll discuss that in more detail. You would also look at, of course, at like a facelift surgery that could distort the lymphatic flow and vascular availability for the skin. It also stretches and distorts the natural Natural, what I consider beautiful curvatures of, of the bone structure of the face. You might look at liposuction because liposuction of, let's say, the midsection or the thighs actually most often causes the replacement of those fat cells in a different part of the face. So a lot of people who get liposuction, say of the buttocks, stomach, and thighs, end up getting a fatter face afterwards because fat cells do repopulate. Fat cells are like an organ. And this is clinically proven, by the way. Fat cells are like an organ. And so if you can imagine, the organ is like, oh, we're down 10,000 fat cells from that procedure. We need to put them back. Sometimes they put them back in the same area. Some Most of the time, they tend to put them back in a different location. So that could be a surgery to keep in mind. I mean, you know, orthopedic surgeries are going to be less critical other than, uh, you know, how it might relate to exercise activity, which is something we're going to ask about in a second. And mm, I mean, of course, eyelid blepharoplasty surgeries, those are going to be important in the history. Then we get to their medicines. All medicines are important to jot down. I'm not expecting you as a layperson or even the professional to have a mastery in the impacts of all the medications that are out there and how they impact the skin, but you're going to find there's a common thread. So for example, if they're on cholesterol medication, you know that their liver is being damaged and that can create liver rosacea, which is rosacea typically on the cheeks. You could be on blood pressure medicine and that creates a chronic swelling of the lower eyelids. So you're going to map up the medicines like blood pressure medicine, most likely to affect the kidneys. Kidneys as mapping goes are the area just below the lower lids and well, in, including the lower lids, if you want, depending on how you want to classify it. And you could be on hormones, right? So now you're having, are the hormones and impacting, and in most cases, uh, one out of three, I would argue two out of three of people who are on chronic hormones. And that includes bioidentical, that includes birth control, that you develop melasma, which is caused by liver damage from those hormones. You could be on a sort of a testosterone sort of bodybuilder profile, and that can affect uh, the fats of the face, uh, create hair loss. You know, as an esthetician, you're going to be able to comment on 
all aspects of the, the um, aging process. At least that's the osmosis holistic philosophy that, hey, if these things are something we can help, it's something we should address, especially in analysis. So you would see if they're, you know, if they're on the hormones, first of all, they can get melasma. Uh, this can cause gynecomastia, which is enlargement of the male breast. Uh, well, male chest, but it turns into a breast. You could be on antidepressants or anxiety medications, and that could result in melasma or redness. You could be on Tylenol, and that can create liver spots. So you want to know about Tylenol. If you're on ibuprofen or Toradol or similar medication, more often you're affecting the kidneys and the liver, but uh, Tylenol is more liver and ibuprofen is more kidneys. Uh, so we're now we're getting into the over the counter stuff and that's also important and we'll get to that in a second, but, uh, uh, other medicines that I think are just like uh, steroids, of course, steroids, Accutane chemotherapy, like right now, a lot of strategies by pharmaceutical companies are to not cure cancer, but to keep it at bay so that they can extend the life of their drug buying population. Well, that's a cynical view, I know, but I do not have a very high view of the pharmaceutical companies. So you go, any chemotherapy, Accutane to me is like chemotherapy. Uh, so a history of that obviously is going to tell you if the skin's healthy enough to be able to do more aggressive stimulation procedures. Let's see. And then of course the steroids and the immunomodulator medication. So these are the kind of medications that are put people on with, uh, if they have autoimmune disease or rheumatoid arthritis or psoriasis, uh, sometimes eczema, more often than not, eczema is, is going to be like a steroid, but depends on the severity. Or they could have a bowel condition like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, and they might be on those medicines to keep that at bay. And these are all things that the osmosis holistic philosophy does very well with. And I know it's surprising. And if you don't know about us, we are uh, much more than a skincare company. Uh, the supplements are, if I may say so myself, uh, revolutionary in targeting toxins, pathogens, and emotions which are the only sources of disease in the human body. I do not believe the human body falls apart on its own and attacks itself. I don't even believe in the concept of attacking oneself. I believe the body's attacking pathogens or toxins in a, a way that we call inflammation, but it can arguably be the detox process. So for example, acne. Acne is a detox at the skin level, and it looks like inflammation, but that's what it takes to remove things that are poisonous to the system. It, a, a teardown involves using the immune cells that we classify as inflammatory. But the reality is those same immune cells cause repair. So look at a swollen knee. So let's say you sprain your knee. So you tear a little bit of a ligament in your knee and the knee swells up like a softball. Is that inflammation or is that repair? I would argue that's repair. So they're one and the same is what I'm telling you. It's, it's a really distorted view in my holistic perspective to think of inflammation as a negative. It is a response to something and the body doesn't just fall apart or attack itself unless there's been a damaging event or a toxic influence or changes in cell structure. So I'm a big believer in epigenetics. And that means that cells change based on their environment. And so when you see bad bugs in your system, 
pretty much exclusively, although I'll leave room for some infectious sharing of infectious material. Viruses are a totally different conversation, by the way. I'm talking about bacteria here. So a sharing of bacteria to me is not how most infections occur. It's an environmental shift of, say, streptococcus in your throat to uh, emotional or diet behaviors. People that have recurring UTIs, they're, they're a shift in the candida population to a more toxic strain of candida that causes you know, urgency or burning or toxins related to those. Or sometimes there's candida in the urine itself. But bottom line is, that the body, as we look at it in this, in this guide, is a phenomenally brilliant design that is constantly and always doing the right thing. Always doing the right thing. Now, the right thing can mean there's pain. The right thing, well, let me go a different route. If you are in a car accident and you traumatize uh, some structure of your body and there's scar tissue, that's not the body's failure. The scar tissue happened because the body wasn't able to repair the damage well enough, but it wasn't because of a defect in the body that caused that chronic pain. It was, you know, trauma. So you've got to leave room for some of that. Okay. I don't want to digress too much on that. So, you know, we definitely want to check in on all the medicines so, because you never know when a medicine is the trigger of the skin condition. Now, obviously you're going to, at the same time, be asking about medical conditions. You know, why are you on this medicine? What do you have? And you go through a list of whatever autoimmune disease, whatever digestive issues they may have, if it's gas or bloating, mark all that down because all of these things are treatable in this uh, osmosis strategy. And uh, they're all explainable. And uh, so they might have a uh, stomach upset. Turns out by skin mapping, you've diagnosed it as H. pylori. And obviously you're not diagnosing in the traditional term. I'm saying you're using your skin mapping clues to offer supplementation to address these distortions or SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or I mean, there's a whole host of things. So you want to really ask about everything, migraines. You want to know how well they sleep. All that should be in this history. And then that gets us to the supplements. So what current supplements do they take? You want to know what powders they take. You know, are they taking a protein drink, a protein powder? Are they taking some green drink? Or And you should put, write down the brand names, especially if you're working with me, because by knowing the brands, I can get to a better sense of whether or not these are beneficial or harmful to the system. Believe it or not, like 80% of all supplements are detrimental to the system because of some ingredient that's been added to the mix or because of the effect of that mix. So things like ashwagandha, I think should not be taken. I think it has an, a, a, a negative effect on the microbiome, promotes candida. I think, uh, oh my God, a whole host of the magnesium supplements, magnesium citrate, magnesium stearate, magnesium oxide or dioxide. All, I mean, there's just, we talked about this in another uh, podcast that you can go back and look at trying to identify the various types of wellness products, but I am going to do another podcast in the very near future talking about what I think are the core necessities to take because honestly, the supplement industry has gone bananas. People that are just really well-meaning and just thinking, oh, I just want to make my body healthy. I'm really on a path to getting healthy again. And they buy 15 different supplements. You know, sometimes it's their naturopath is like, oh, you need this, you need that, you need this. 
In honesty, you probably need almost none of it. So there's a very small list by my assessment today of things that are must-have ingredients in your regimen. And we'll get to that at another time. Teaser for you. Okay. So why supplements? Well, supplements can cause kidney damage. Uh, and I see uh, swelling under the eyes from that. Supplements can cause the bacteria in your gut to epigenetically change. I've seen H. pylori and SIBO develop from supplements. I've seen constipation, gas, and bloating develop from supplements. As you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of probiotics. They're clinically proven to, to not help the gut because your gut has its own blend of probiotics and nobody's blend in the supplement market works. I'm a fan of prebiotics and only specific ones because some of them have a bias. So you're checking on supplements for that. You're checking on supplements that may actually, mostly it's going to be related to their effects on gut. A lot of supplements people do for liver are not doing very much. You know, we'll get to some of that in a minute. And then on the powders, you know, you might think, oh my gosh, I'm being so good because I do my protein drink every morning and I put a little whey in there and I put a little green powder in there and I am so healthy because of it. And it turns out whey is not good for you. Whey is not a good choice in protein powder. Most protein powders are not good. Most collagen powders are not good for the body. They're, they're distorting the body in one way or another, or they're actually causing acne. Pea protein is a great example of something you want someone to stop right away. So you're, if you're some, someone comes in with jawline acne, which is really starts from about an inch outside of the center chin on both sides of the chin, about an inch above the jawline, going along the jawline and an inch below the jawline, a big cause of, um, of acne in that area just outside the mouth is pea protein. Pretty much all pea protein causes a problem. So I'm a fan of hemp and I'm working on a formula because I see so many formulas that aren't working. So you'll see soon from us a, a really exciting hemp formula coming out. What others in the powder range? I mean, there's a lot of powders that are fine. They're just not really targeted and they're not doing much for you. But it's fine if you're going through a cleanse. Like cleanses are always not always good, but mostly good. But you want to know about that in the history. Then you want to get into their diet. You know, how often do they eat? They might be on an intermittent fasting diet. Good to know that. Why did they change their diet? Are they on this diet? Because before they did this new diet, they were having constipation, diarrhea, gas, bloating. Was this all about weight loss or weight gain type of diet? You want to know about the types of foods they eat. Some people think they're doing great by buying frozen food plans that have calorie counts. And in reality, those are full of preservatives that cause acne on the jawline. Others are vegans and buying all kinds of vegan bars and eating at vegan restaurants where a lot of the foods are heavily preserved or processed. So even though they're plant-based, they're not as healthy. You know, a whole food plant-based diet arguably is the healthiest diet you can be on, but it's not for everyone and it doesn't have to be for everyone. And, and I'm also a believer in more joy in your life. So if you're someone who is drawn to that and loves it, great. You, you should do pretty well. Now you're going to have some limitations, I think, when it gets to some of the essential fats, potentially when it gets to protein content. But I think also protein content is a bit overplayed. The idea 
really is uh, ultimately when you're talking about protein, you're talking about the amino acids they break down into. And that amino acid profile is available in a lot more sources than you think. But you want to know, are you vegan? Are you vegetarian? How much dairy are you doing? How much sugar are you doing? Do you do processed bleached sugar? Are you doing natural sugars? Like it's worth getting into all of that because all these are areas, I mean, there's a lot of food toxins out there. And so are you eating organic or non-organic? Because if you're not eating organic fruits and veggies and you think you're being super healthy eating fruits and veggies, you're going to be breaking out on your neck front and back of your neck along the, and, and along the ears, as skin mapping will tell us. So what's your water source? You might be thinking you're getting this great spring water. It turns out that particular spring water does, they add chlorine to it. You might be thinking that you're getting this great water because it's in an RO system and the RO system actually puts out water that I don't believe is high quality. It's definitely toxin removed, but it's also mineral removed. And if you have to put the minerals back in the water, they almost always have chlorine in them. So a lot of people who are on RO system start breaking out on their chest and back because that's where chlorine break out. So you're asking about that. You're looking for, and they say, oh, no, 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 I don't drink tap water, which is huge chlorine issue. And of course, other toxin issue. I drink filtered water, which is another way of saying I partially filter the toxins, but I don't filter chlorine. If you don't have a chlorine specific filter, you're not filtering chlorine. And that's why you're breaking out on your chest and back. And these people, well-meaning as they are, are just drinking a lot of water, thinking water's good for me and water helps me detox. And of course, the way they treat our tap water today, which is outrageous, outrageous, that is not the healthiest plan. How sad is it that, you know, you have to spend money Always like there's there's no such thing as free water, free healthy water hardly at all anymore in this country, unless you're on a well or you're lucky enough to live in a city where they don't have a water clearing system, whatever they do over there. It's just awful, especially like Florida, uh, the South, Texas, their public water is awful. And I apologize. I feel bad for you guys that are out there that uh, that that's, you know, your only choice unless you spend a lot of money on your own water. It's frustrating. And then the last one on history, I'll go with the sun exposure. So how much sun are you getting? Believe it or not, in the holistic mindset, sun is good for your skin. Sun actually does stimulate collagen and it doesn't do it when you burn. It does do it when you burn, but it also stimulates collagen when you don't burn. Believe it or not, sun is rejuvenating to your skin. Now, I don't want you ever to get burned, but I want you to get more sun. Uh, Most of us do not get it. Most of us are putting chemical sunscreens on in the morning and maybe even chemical sunscreens on in the evening. And believe it or not, those are inflammatory and create a um, distorted perspective on the skin that I don't think is healthy. It it limits uh, vitamin D production, which is massive. Like the sun's effect on the human body extends life expectancy, reduces cancer rates. Like the, the studies are in, there's no question about it. And everyone's all caught up in the skin cancer rate. And what I'm telling you is don't get burned, get sun. All right. So that's in the history. Then I'm going to go down to the skin history and let me see how we're doing on time. Oh, this is going long. We might have to make this a two-part series. So on the skin history section, we want to get into what they've done in the past. So lasers, what kind of lasers? Did you do IPL or a traditional laser? Did you do a fractional laser? Did you do a CO2 laser? You know, how aggressive were you in the peel category? How many peels did you do in your lifetime? How often, when was the last time you did a peel? Were you using a, a like a, a you know, 20% 
10 or 20% lactic, or were they going for a multi-layer Jesner's? Did you get a glycolic? Did you get a TCA peel? Did you go phenol crazy, which is really crazy to do a phenol peel because it leaves you hypopigmented in just about every situation permanently. Peel history is really helpful. So a lot of people, they were well-meaning. They're like, I take good care of my skin. I go see my esthetician every month and she does a peel on me because my skin needs to be refreshed. And what I'm telling you is your skin does not need to be refreshed. The turnover rate is not a factor in your skin health. It, it Now, it's true that after you burn off several layers of your epidermis, your skin might have a nice glow to it. It have, might have a nice flush look to it. It, it might even plump. For sure, it's going to plump. If you burn it, it actually plumps. So the wrinkles look better. But that is such a short-sighted view to the long-term reality that is every time you burn your skin, you burn your DEJ. And your DEJ doesn't shed. It just keeps taking hits. And the more hits it takes, the faster you're going to start getting age spots, the faster your skin texture is going to change, the faster your pores are going to enlarge. And those are the main downsides to me of chronic peels. So I'm asking about peels. I'm asking about needling. You know, are you needling at home? Or uh, did you needle in the past? Needling, depending on the length of the needle, and typically, if you're constantly poking your DEJ, you can create some harm. Now, the difference between poking your DEJ with a needle and burning your DEJ is the burning of the DEJ with either lasers or chemicals causes permanent DNA damage. They don't talk about that. They say, oh, look how good you look for two weeks but you permanently damage your DNA. And, you know, we can help with DNA repair, but we can't fix it all. And so this, this accumulates over time. And it's something you definitely want to watch out for. You're looking at fillers. You want to see the natural shape of their face. Is something, is there a, a filler in there? You know, the, the filler face craze that is going on in this country is out of control. Oh my gosh. I saw I hate to just pick on any one person, but I just saw an image of Kim Kardashian. She doesn't look like the same person. Now, I'm going to give it to her that she looks pretty. She looked pretty before, but she looks pretty like everybody looks today. It's so painful to me to watch the blending of all these different beautiful bone structures that used to exist that came from your DNA that was your built-in design to this big cheeked, narrow jaw look that to me is overplayed. You know what it looks like to me? The old days when women used to get breast implants that grew out of their decollete in this really fake looking way. And then slowly but surely people got over that. Then it was lip implants and everybody blew their lips up to these huge sizes and it looked way overblown and unnatural. And then that slowly reduced back to, I won't say lip implants are done. Obviously they're still quite common, but they're at least less overblown than they used to be. I think there was a craze is currently a craze on eyelash extensions where people are just getting really dense, thick, but sort of, you know, artificial looking. I feel like everyone is moving to this artificial beauty concept and we've got to shift back. And I promise you, we're going to shift back. And so we have a strategy that avoids filler face. I understand why you do fillers because you know what happens to most of these people that were, that we notice they're getting significant fillers is they're typically really thin. They're typically celebrities who have been thin their whole life. And when you're 
you're thin your whole life, your fat pads are susceptible to exercise. So you go out and you're like, I'm thin. The way I stay thin is I exercise. And what your body does is it looks for fuel. And if you're a woman running in the 15% range of body fat or even lower, your body will steal from your facial and structural fat pads and cause thinning of those limbs in your face in the bad ways that cause sagging and changes to your structure. And so you definitely want to watch for that. And the good news is, you know, osmosis recovery restores a lot of that lost volume and only in the fat pad areas. It doesn't restore fat to the whole face or to the, to the areas where you're like, Oh, I don't want to get fat. It's not fat. It's structural restoration, which takes away crepiness around the knees and, uh, and loose flabby arms, all that stuff. Yes, partially muscle, but also fat pad in the muscle. So where are the fat pads? The fat pads are in the thighs. They're in the arms. And when I say arms, I don't mean forearms. I mean the arms and they're in the buttocks. And when I say buttocks, I don't mean the loose skin on the outside of the buttocks. I mean the structural butt muscle. So it's a lifting effect in the neck and in the face. So a lot of women who get wrinkles around their mouth, that's a fat pad loss. You get early wrinkles on your forehead, that's a fat pad loss. If you get laxity and a sagging in your neck, that's a fat pad loss. So these are the things I would address. So you want to ask about what fillers they're getting. Obviously, Botox, you're looking for you know how much and how many times have they had Botox because that will give you an idea of what level of muscle atrophy you can expect underneath their skin that we're going to have to deal with. And those things are not recoverable. You're you're not going to get your muscle girth back. And remember, muscle girth is what holds your face up. So when you're asking about this stuff, you're saying, why are you doing Botox when that will cause your face volume to shrink. And when your face volume shrinks, the skin on the surface of it will sag it's what happens to all Botox, chronic Botoxers. So uh, we're trying to move them out of that, but also get their history on that. You want to look at their Retin-A use because Retin-A causes DNA damage and it causes a thinning of the papillary dermis. So you're, But in the beginning, it causes a thickening of the epidermis as the epidermis gets a sort of scar-like reaction to this toxic retinoic acid. And I know retinoic acid is in the skin, but when the skin makes it, It makes one at a time and it makes it to go be utilized immediately. It doesn't make floating around Retin-A. That is what causes harm to the skin. And so that's why you want to know about Retin-A. You want to know about retinoids. And in the retinoid category, you know, what you're trying to get at is, are they on retinoids right now? Because you can expect that their barriers compromise as a result of it. You can expect that they, they've got more DNA damage from a chronic use of retinoids because retinoids are known to cause DNA damage. See, the problem with retinoids, and this is like most retinols, I exclude retinaldehyde because of its, its holistic strategy in the skin, but every other retinol gets stuck in the epidermis. If you go outside, even if you use it the night before, it's in your skin the next day. You go outside, it gets activated by UV light. It turns into an oxygen-free radical and it becomes a source of inflammation and DNA damage. Now that can cause plumping. So people are like, hey, like this feel and look of this retinoid. But the reality is it's temporary plumping, not collagen density plumping. And so you want to know about that retinoid history. You want to know about a history of steroid cream use or antibiotic cream use. Maybe they have perioral dermatitis or they get red. And so they have a go-to of their triamcinolone cream from the -the over-the-counter use. You need to know that because that's going to tell you that most likely their dermis is in need of rebuilding because steroids used chronically will thin your dermis. No question about it. Thin your epidermis too, to a degree. Both of those are targets in the osmosis philosophy. So you want to know about that. 
You also want to know about their scrubs and you know, how often do they scrub their face? I'm well, we'll get to current routine in episode two, but how often do they scrub their face? How often did they in the past, were they chronically scrubbing their face? Cause what that tells you is a number one, I mean, if they're not doing it currently, hopefully their barrier has come back, but if they've been doing it chronically, what it tells you is they've had more sun damage than what would normally be expected. And oftentimes you can see that in their wrinkles if they're not on a current plumping regimen. Again, we'll get to current plumping regimen in a minute. And then I guess, you know, a little bit to the makeup. A lot of times makeup isn't going to create a whole lot of harm, even the toxic stuff, but it certainly can. And it's worth knowing their makeup strategies and really just knowing what their preferences are as far as do they like to use a lot of makeup or little so that can help you determine which makeup line makes the best sense for them or which product in a makeup line makes the best sense for them. Okay, so we've covered medical history and life history and skincare history on part two. Sorry for the tease. Uh, we will get to the rest of the ultimate guide to skin self-assessment, otherwise known as the ultimate guide to professional skin analysis. Thanks for joining me today, and we'll see you next week. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ask Dr. Ben. Please leave a review if you can. And subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get access to all of my upcoming episodes. My website is osmosisbeauty.com and you can find me on Facebook at Osmosis Beauty. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Osmosis underscore beauty. Thanks for listening.